Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford. On this week's show, I'll be joined by Daniel Andonino, one of the co-hosts of the Unused Substitute Soccer Show. He'll be on in just a little bit to talk, one, a little bit about the Rowdies and the the Rays' ownership of the Rowdies. Um, For those of you that have been listening for, for over a year now, I had Matt Cox, another one of the hosts of that show on last season to kind of kind of talk about the rowdies dan and i do the same uh, but we also talk a lot about the rays um, both of our fandoms and, and kind of how they've progressed through the years and kind of the future of the team with the whole stadium saga still looming over uh, everything so before that before that great discussion just going to run through some of the week's news it's been an eventful week in rays baseball um, some more trips to the IL, which is unfortunate. Cody Reed, um, left thumb weakness is the reason that they are putting down, uh, that put him on the 10 day IL. And we saw this last year with Cody Reed. He ended up getting placed on the, on the 60 day or it might have been a 40 day IL last year. I don't remember. The rules were a little different, but that's a guy, another guy in the bullpen that was going to get some high leverage innings. He already had. And I, you know, I expect him to play a big role when he's healthy, but it's just a little worrying to see him kind of go down with the same injury. Um, that's resulted in Chris Maza kind of going up and down between the alternate training site and the taxi squad and the big league roster. Um, but he was ultimately placed on the 10-day IL as well on the 24th with right shoulder inflammation, which is not not a great sign, but hopefully... Um, he can just get rested up and, and get back to work. I know um, he he hasn't pitched the best, but I talked about it with Darby. He's got a, he had that he had an option this year, and that kind of allows for him to be the up and down guy, um, which is a tough role, I'm sure for for a for a professional baseball player. But he's played it well. Um, Diego Castillo also spent a couple times a couple days on the COVID IL. He was um, uh, kind of dealing with side effects of one of the vaccine doses. Um, good news is he's, he's vaccinated. It sounds like the players are um, trying to get vaccinated as quickly as possible. And it was like a two, like a one or two day stint on the COVID IL, uh, and really good on Major League Baseball for for setting that IL up. So. You know, you're not missing any time, any minimum time for health and safety protocols, contract tracing, contact tracing or positive tests. Like you also have to have a list where people that are dealing with the vaccine can kind of take a spot, a couple of days off the roster to to recover. Um, when Diego Castillo was placed on the IL, the Rays added to the 40 man and called up 31 year old Lewis Head to make his major league debut. A really great story. I believe Mark Topkin in the Tampa Bay Times wrote a, wrote a nice profile on Lewis Head, who last year uh, was selling solar panels door to door. Right, uh, he had no inkling that he was going to be pitching in the major leagues the very next year. He thought his professional baseball career was probably over. He debuted on Sunday, which is really cool, and he looked pretty nice. So nice slider. Um, uh, we'll see how long he sticks around, but a really cool story. Nonetheless, um, when they had to add Diego Castillo back to the 40-man roster um, after he comes off this this COVID IL, uh, Davey Gruen, the catcher, who they claimed off waivers from Cincinnati, I want to say, um, which was the third catcher on the roster. I wasn't expecting him to stick around long unless there was an, uh, an injury to the catching core at the big league level. 
Um, he gets designated for assignment, and right now I believe he's still going through waivers. We'll see if the Rays can can keep him, but I mean, hopefully he gets a an opportunity somewhere. Uh, and the other debut we got to see on Sunday was Luis Patino making his Rays debut. He was called up um, when Chris Mazza gets placed on the IL, and he started Sunday's game against the Toronto Blue Jays. Looked really good. Uh, pitched two and two-thirds innings. I'll pull up the line here in just a second. Um, but they, um, I guess, opened with Luis Patino or piggybacked him and Josh Fleming. And don't get me wrong, I think both of these guys are good enough to be starting pitchers. Um, but I really love the way that this looked and, and it made a lot, made things a lot tougher on the Toronto Blue Jays. Patino went two and two thirds, gave up no hits, struck out three and walked one. Uh, Fleming comes in and pitches four and a third, uh, strikes out three, walks two, gives up, uh, yeah, like I said, one earned run. Um, so combined, they went seven innings. You got an inning out of Lewis Head, an inning out of Hunter Strickland. Um, they all pitch great, but you lose the game one nothing. The bats go cold. Hinjin Ryu was looking lights out. He threw three and two-thirds, five strikeouts, one walk, no earned runs. Uh, but then he gets hurt. It looks like a, a lower body injury, I believe. It was a right glute strain for, for Hinjin Ryu. So I'm just going to leave that one there. But, I mean, their bullpen comes in, and a collection of arms continue to shut down the race. Tim Meza, Tyler Chatwood, Ryan Barucki, David Phelps, and their closer, I guess, right now, Rafael Delis. Um, I'll give the Blue Jays credit. They came out of the trop. They took two out of three. And if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that I've been kind of harsh. I'm not harsh on the Blue Jays. I, I've been skeptical of what they can do this season with their pitching. Steven Matz comes in, throws a pretty solid game against the Rays. Um, there was a close game on Saturday. The Rays had to um, score late. And then the Rays couldn't get a run across the plate at all. Uh, to to win on Sunday. So the Blue Jays take two out of three. The Rays, as things stand today, um, before this week's series against the Oakland A's, 11-11, which is still good for second place in the American League East. They're a half game above Toronto, tied in the loss column, uh, a game and a half above both Baltimore and New York, and two and a half games behind the division leaders, the Boston Red Sox, who uh, they keep sticking around. They're 14-9. and nine putting together a really good season. Uh, this week, the Rays continue their homestand. They welcome in the Oakland Athletics, who have been one of baseball's hottest teams, um, and then the Houston Astros. And the Rays and Astros have plenty of history, played obviously in the ALCS last year, the ALDS before that. Um, and, and they're struggling a little bit, 10 and 11. We, we knew that they weren't going to have Justin Verlander this year. Um, they lost Garrett Cole two years ago. Um, they lost... Framber Valdez this season, which was a big hit to their pitching staff. They're 10 and 11. They're right around the same boat as us. Um, but Oakland, 14 and 8. They have been um, one of the hottest teams in baseball. Rope, you know, 13 game winning streak after a rough start. Matt Olson with an OPS over 1,000. He's got six home runs. Mark Canna has got seven or three home runs, seven RBI, 848 OPS. They're really hitting the ball. And they're pitching well, too. Um, you, you look at guys like Sean Manaya, who the Rays will face on Monday night through four starts. He's got a 3.04 ERA. He's keeping the walks down. Cole Irvin has looked really strong through four starts. They've, they've got Chris Bassett leading that rotation. So this is a good, well-rounded um, Oakland A's team. I am a little bit worried about this series and the pitching matchups. 
uh, that the Rays will have to go up against Sean Manai versus Rich Hill on Monday night. Um, this will be out at some point on a Monday, so uh, you might be listening to this after that game has already taken place. I'm a little worried. So you've got seven straight games and seven straight days this this week at home. You want to win at least four. You know, you want to go four and three over this stretch. You're playing two tough teams, and you just hope that you, you can win a couple series here um, before the next road trip. So, and, and now we'll take a, a quick break before we hop into the discussion with Daniel Antonino from the Unused Substitute Soccer Show. Again, that's a, a great conversation, uh, not only about the Rowdies. We do talk a little bit of soccer. If it's not your thing, if you're looking for just raise talk you can skip a little bit ahead but we talk about the raise ownership of the rowdies and kind of what that's brought to the club and then we go into uh we let i let dan raise his voice about his raise fandom um, some of his earliest memories of supporting the rays maybe some of the years where he didn't lose touch but you know, drifted away from the team and then what brought him back in recent years um and it's pretty obvious what brought him back because the rays have been a lot of fun so uh, without further ado, here's our discussion with Dan and Danina. Dan, thanks for joining us. How you doing, man? I'm all right. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, I didn't think I'd be ever on a baseball podcast, but uh, I'm excited. <laughs> Matt, Matt said the same thing when we had him on last year. <laughs> uh, but Dan, you know, first off, like, talk to me a little bit about how you got involved with with Matt and how you guys started Unused Subs and kind of that, that the story of that show. It's funny because it started because um, we started following each other on Twitter over Liverpool. Um, we were both, sorry, that's my dog, uh, <laughs> Liverpool, um, and started talking and we were always DMing about soccer, soccer, soccer. And then he convinced me to get a mob membership one year. And I was like, okay, cool. And we finally met outside. I think it was Corrigan's back in the day. Uh, picked up our mob stuff, had a conversation, went to a few games. And he was just like, you know, we were always talking soccer anyway. So maybe we should just put a microphone in front of us and see what it is like. There's nobody talking about the Rowdies. There's nobody covering the Rowdies. Let's just give it a go. And I was like, you know what? I got nothing else going on in my life. Let's, you know, start a podcast. And, uh, you know, I think it took us longer to pick out a name than it ever did to actually uh, talk about podcasts. Like the, the agreement was there, but it was just finding a name, which was the hardest part of all of it. And we, of course, picked the longest name possible. <laughs> Well, yeah, and, and I know for, for like your guys' show, when I started to become a fan of the team, which was like back in 2016-ish, I think I went to my first game and just looking for ways to follow the team when I couldn't make it to all the games. And, and your guys' show was, was a great introduction for like a first-time American soccer fan who had, you know, no clue what was going on. Um, and then, and then you guys definitely like helped kind of inspire this show, like raise your voice and started at that time. There wasn't really many podcasts in the writ for like the Rays. Now there's a pretty good handful, a lot of great stuff out there. So, and, and you guys were definitely inspiration for that. Matt even picked the name, raise your voice. Like, I don't know if you remember <laughs> that on Twitter. Like yeah. I put out like looking for suggestions on Twitter and Matt threw raise your voice out there and, and I ran with it and, uh, it's been a lot I, of fun. I, I love the idea. And I know this is foreshadowing for later on in the show for like basically why I'm here. But um, in, I want to say like 2006, my best friend and I were talking about, uh, this was before like podcasting was huge. We were going to host a Tampa Bay sports site because we both love sports, but not the Rays because we didn't like baseball yet. <laughs> and there was in 
that's always been there is another podcast that covers Tampa Bay sports that kind of leaves well one they don't even talk about soccer uh, but they leave kind of baseball in the back burner which like you know I, I get it it's not your cup of tea but before we talk a little bit more about the Rays, I, I can't pass up any opportunity to talk about the Rowdies, especially after the season <laughs> they had last year, going all the way to the Eastern Conference Championship, winning it, having a chance to play for the USL Championship, and before that game was was ultimately canceled, um, tragically. Um, not tragically. There was a lot of worse stuff that happened in 2020, but that, that was tough, especially after the season they had. What was that like watching watching that 2020 team go on, go on that run? Oh, man. I mean, when Matt and I started it, we were at the end of the Ricky Hill era and, and the wheels came off. Uh, and so watching this team and then we had what uh, Thomas Rongan come in and that mess, uh, the Stu Campbell hope and then the wheels came off. And then now Neil <laughs> Collins finally uh, building something and watching Neil Collins get the success and get that and, uh, put it together team. And like the people behind the scenes too, like Lee Cohen, who uh you know like has been there since the beginning has just put his heart and soul into this club and and seeing like and not letting not having them get to get the final that they deserved uh was the one of the hardest parts uh but watching this team actually put it together finally and get the results on the pitch and and make it through the playoffs and and, and it was no easy task like louisville away like that's been uh, anything about the rowdies is they've been terrible on the road and louisville has had our number as you well know and uh, and watching them be able to overcome that was was massive. And the that win was just like the weight off our shoulders. Like I, it felt like we were kind of that that potential was finally unlocked. And I hope that carries on coming into this next season because I think uh, this team is more than capable of winning a championship. Yeah, and the the Rowdies like definitely weren't underdogs throughout the season. They've been one of the more prominent teams in USL. They're one of the bigger brands, uh, not only in USL but in like US soccer in general. But that win against Louisville somewhat reminded me of the Rays beating the Red Sox in 2008, where it's like they're finally on the scene. They finally put it all together. And now it's like now it feels like possibilities are endless. And yeah. I don't know. There's there's just a few guys that are really fun to root for on the team. Juan Tejada is like a person. He, he was a trialist in a preseason game. And I think he was already like half the fan base's favorite player. And yeah. he stuck around and he's played really well. We've seen him debut for Panama. Who who are some of your other favorite players on on this current squad? I mean, for me, uh, Jordan Doherty is uh, number one. I love a good defensive holding mid with a uh, good distribution. Um, I mean, I have a tattoo for Seba Gonzari, the, the the old vet up front. <laughs> so I, I mean, I have to mention those two, uh, Forrest Lasso, and now you know the full tide of the Rays. We have uh, Randy Rosarina's brother and, and playing backup keeper. Uh, but I, I think for me, it's Doherty. He's my guy and, and Seba. I mean, but Leo, I could go through the whole starting roster. Leo Fernandez is amazing on and off the pitch. Um, but I, I really think um, if that midfield holds together, we'll be great. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. It should be a fun year. Before we, we dig a little deeper and talk about the Rays and, and your fandom and, you know, the collective fan base, uh, Let's talk a little bit about the Rays' ownership of the Rowdy. So for those of you listening to this podcast that might not be aware of uh, the Rays' ownership group also, they purchased the Rowdies back in 2018, tail end of 2018. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it was like towards the end of both of their seasons because their seasons kind of run together through the spring and summer and into the fall. 
what have you seen from both an on the field uh, and off the field perspective um, change within the the club since the Rays took over? Um, I th- I will say it's a huge credit to uh, Brian Ald and uh, uh, to and Matt Silverman to pretty be, be pretty hands off and let the rowdies be the rowdies uh, and let the soccer people do the soccer stuff. Um, I, there, there has been some rocky points of transition. Um, the lack of a team store at Alang. Um, I mean, game day, you can buy merch in the stadium, uh, but that walk up was something nice. I didn't have to go to the trop, which we all know is inconveniently located and we can get into that issue another time, but uh, it's just, um, and merch being uh, hard to come by online for a little bit there, the online store is wonky, um, but it seems that they're adding things to the game day experience. The, um, I, over the years of being a race fan, I know the trop does get dumped on for like the inside, um, but it's one of the best game day experiences experiences the food choices the drink choices everything's accessible um and i think the raise uh, ownership is taking that to the next level at al lang um the pandemic has kind of put um a lot of things uh, in weird in limbo because i'm sure they had more plans uh but there's food trucks there's things like that to help uh live in that game day experience which the raise organization has thrived at um but mostly like for the day-to-day operations of the club they've pretty much just let the rowdies be the rowdies not much has changed outside of the pandemic uh changes that were like necessitated but uh so i I can't complain um i was for this move when it happens i thought bill edwards took us as far as he could and um like i said uh, brian and matt silverman are doing great on uh uh on keeping this going um oh and it's if i was and if i was a good journalist um, I did a fan panel, um, like it was super fans. And then yeah. uh, Matt Silverman was there, Bill Edwards is there, uh, and representatives from uh, the Lightning and the Bucks were there. But um, I should have made a mental note because Matt Silverman was almost answering all of the Rowdies' questions over Bill Edwards. <laughs> and in, in hindsight, it makes so much more sense. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember, yeah, there there was a lot of worries around like the Rowdies fan base when that move when that when that deal happened uh and a lot of them i think were i don't want to say short-sighted there was a lot of um, uncertainty as there always is in lower division american soccer uh but i do agree with you that yeah silverman and ald have been very hands-off uh people that are that are managing the team and i think that's like something that the like when sternberg bought the rays back in 2005 he put the baseball people in charge of baseball and he takes a step back uh, and and it's really showed in the on the field product where you've got Lee Cohen and Neil Collins running the show, making all the on field decisions and player decisions. Um, and, and basically, I say that all of that to say uh, the Rowdies are a really good team. They're fun to watch, and you know this season they're uh, got fans back in Alang uh, in a greater capacity than they had last year. So definitely worth checking out. Uh, last thing about the Rowdies: is there a, a sense of worry amongst? You are the or, uh, not to have you speak on behalf of the entire Rowdies fan base, <laughs> but with the Rays and Stuart Sternberg kind of dancing back and forth with this idea of doing the sister city plan with St. Pete or Tampa and Montreal and the Rowdies kind of being maybe some sort of a pawn in that in that whole maneuver in a lot of I, I know there was a deal when Bill Edwards sold the team that the Rowdies would play at Alang for at least five more years. 
Uh, but you know, those five years are going to be up before we know it. Like, is there a sense of worry amongst like the Rowdies fans that there's, they're kind of being like just thrown around here and that the Rays might've purchased them as a, as some sort of uh, leverage in this, in this move for a new stadium. Yeah. I, I think that was very um, on the forefront of our minds when the, uh, the sale first took place. And I don't think the worry has eased too much. Um, uh, Cause every now and again, you'll see the spurt of, Oh, Al Lang's going to be, you know, torn down and they're, the Rays are going to put the baseball stadium there and we're going to have to play it in like a major league park or something. And it's just like, everybody breathe. There's, they can't just do that. Uh, and same. And so I think it's there. Um, I don't, th- I think rationally speaking, I don't think there's anything that the Rowdies are going to be moving to Montreal or anything. Um, I think if worse comes to worse, they will just be sold again. And I just hope it's to um, capable people, uh, at least. And like you said, I can't speak for the entire fan base. This is just my thoughts. Um, so I'm not too worried. I think um, I think it was also made known at the beginning that this was kind of a Brian Ald and Matt Silverman venture and not a Stu Sternberg venture. Um, so like that gives me a little bit more comfort that we're not at uh, Stu Sternberg's whim as much as Brian Ald and uh, Matt Silverman. Um, I, I think I might go as far as to say, I might trust Matt Silverman with my life at this point. <laughs> yeah. He, he's done like a really great job when, you know, I mean, the first iteration of the Rowdies went through this. Every American soccer club has gone through this to some extent where it's like, will there be a next season? Like what you don't, you can't even think five years down the road, let alone any further than that. You know, you really got to take it year by year and you know, they're still around. They're still playing at Al Lang and it's putting it like, like I said, I'm putting a really great product on the, on the, on the pitch. Um, We'll take a a real quick break and then we'll talk to Dan about his uh, Rays fandom. And we're back on raise your voice. And now this is uh, Dan's chance to raise his voice about his, Tampa Bay Rays fandom. So Dan, talk to me a little bit about how you originally became a Rays fan. Um, it was 2008 and um, this is going to sound terrible, but we found out that uh, MC Hammer was doing a post-game concert and we didn't really even like MC Hammer or anything. It was just like, oh my God, we have to see MC Hammer after a baseball game. And uh, <clears throat> so I am not ashamed to say I probably had um, way too much to drink, um, <laughs> but we made uh, we even made signs that one said like "Stop Pena time," um, and there is, <laughs> and, and and there's another one we had I don't remember, uh, and we ended up going and having a blast. Um, Evan Longoria hit a grand slam. Um, and it was just I remember that because I really had to pee and I was just waiting <laughs> and he kept falling off pitches. And as soon as the ball left, uh, the, went over the fence, I ran and was high-fiving everybody to the bathroom. Um, but it was, um, that, and that kind of hooked us. My friend, my best friend that I was talking about earlier, uh, him and I always were bashing baseball. We were like, it's boring, it's boring, it's boring. Then we went and we're like, okay. So then we started leaving it on in the background in the apartment when we were doing other things. And uh, obviously 2008 is like the magical year. And so it was just coincidence. Um, I was volunteering with a political campaign. And when I was doing all that work, um, the Rays were always in the background and it just became like an everyday thing. And then, you know, you had, you had Carlos Pena, you had uh, James Shields. um, uh, And from Andy Sonstein. Yeah, Matt Garza. Matt Garza story too, am I right? Yes, yes, I was there for that magical night too. Um, 
and then like it, Andy Sonnenstein was my my guy. I, see, I, I'm always drawn to the the, the slightly quirky uh, guys with personality, and Andy Sonnenstein was that guy. And um, but uh, you know those guys, and it was just easy to fall in love with that 2018. Um, you know, and it, it was so after that, like obviously the heartbreak in the World Series. We were, I wasn't sure if we were going to do it again in 2009, and we did. Like we ended up doing race road trip. Uh, there's photos of me somewhere with a blue mohawk in like Baltimore. Um, we went to Texas. In Texas, uh, David Price chucked me a ball, um, and I got it signed by Grant Balfour because I also love <laughs> Grant go. Balfour. Yeah, because awesome. uh, David Price, it was I think it was his like official rookie year, so he I, he wasn't like the big David Price, and I'm an idiot, and I'm kicking myself for not getting that ball signed by David Price <laughs> and having it in my room, but. Um, we did a lot of that. Um, Baltimore, uh, Boston, Miami, we traveled around like we were diehard race fans. And uh, my, you know, my friend was actually writer for D-Race Bay for a bit back in the day. So it, he was, you know, he was more into it. But like, I loved it. We, it, our lives revolved around it. Like I said, race road trips, everything we could about 10 to 20 games a year, as much as we could be there. Um, as you alluded to, I was at the Mac that year. I was actually at um, there. I think it was the Diamondbacks who no, no hit us earlier in the year. Edwin Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. I was there for that. I took. <laughs> it uh, happened my, quite often in those like, yeah. few years. It was like every other week the Rays were getting no hit. <laughs> I took uh, the, uh, the girl I was dating to at, her, uh, with, uh, at the time to that game. And it was her first baseball game ever. She sees the Rays get no hit. And then for my birthday, mine and my best friend's birthday are, are four days apart. We went to another game, her second game, and Matt Garza throws the first no-hitter and only no-hitter <laughs> in race history. So I was like, okay, you, we, I don't know what to do here because obviously this luck is going to run out, but we need to just keep going. What are the, I mean, I can't, I don't know if there's anyone else in the history of like baseball, a fan that their first two games, there were no hitters thrown yeah. in like it's completely, I've never seen one. I've never even seen one get past like the sixth or seventh. I don't think, and I've been to, you know, probably well over a hundred games over, you know, my 22 years of life. But yeah, that's the, the Matt Garza no hitter. I remember I was watching that in the living room with my family. That was one of the better memories. Um, then, you know, you get into the rowdies, you know, you life continues to go on you start to maybe fall out of you know out of touch with the rays what what kind of happened there it, i mean i know this is a common gripe and it, it, i'll get back to it with the redemption story i guess but it was just tired of seeing favorite players go like i understand it i understand 100 why but like i said earlier i'm a guy that gets attached to two players i want the players you know the slightly eccentric ones the, the ones i can get behind and it just felt for a good period there uh, that the that the Rays kind of lost that. Um, it was like Longo was gone, so I couldn't even stay with that guy. Um, and it just it, it was just kind and you know there was a lull in their success. So that, I hate to say, it, but that makes it easier to kind of detach as well, especially when all of the players you've loved have left. Um, and uh, it just I got it, and then like soccer kind of took over. Really, like I was doing this Rowdy's podcast and. Uh, watching those games, having to maybe once or twice a week and, and life got in the way. And uh, it just was one of those things that baseball went on the back burner. It was never my first sport. Um, hockey and soccer were always the two in my life. And then uh, baseball came around and then and NFL comes around. And like, so, uh, but 
it was never like I hate the Rays. I mean, I've always had some Rays merchandise and I will always support them. I, I went to a few games here and there, but uh, it was never um, that that passion kind of faded when I couldn't get behind them. And then uh, last year, it all changed. Um, like there's just more there's the personalities back. Like I love G Man Choi, um, the bullpen guy, like the bullpen guys uh with all that the yankee drama uh and yeah. the stable and like that that brought me back like um and randy rosier uh i have the i have the four horsemen shirt in my room i'm um, wearing my tampa bay 98 or yeah. shot just showed it today that's terrible radio but yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then uh randy rosarina love him absolutely love him i think he's like a breath of fresh air uh what's his name brett phillips is that his name yeah yeah yep. Uh, getting reacquainted with the roster. Sorry, guys. Uh, but Brett <laughs> Phillips, another a local boy with personality. Right. Like, I just, the, the team is fun again, um, and they're having fun again. So that, that that definitely helped. Watching them last year was like, I missed the drama, the fun. Uh, and I've always been a pitcher. Uh, like, I love pitchers. I, I think um, if you, to equate it to soccer for me, it's just like constant PKs where there's that individual battle between right. the pitcher and the hitter. And, you know, and, and that's that's the drama it is for me. Like uh, my girlfriend says I'm weird for it. She thinks it's all boring, but I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, they had a 31 year old reliever today for the Rays make his major league debut. Lewis had it's like I love those yeah. stories. Yeah. Seeing a guy come up and like make his major league debut when he thought last year he said he was selling uh, solar panels door to door. Never thought he was going to play baseball again professionally yeah. and make his day. Those are the those are the fun guys to root for. And. It's definitely easier, one, when they're winning. But two, I think, because the, the 2008 team, I think, was one of the most fun teams. They won 90 games. Yep. They were supposed to finish last place. They didn't make the postseason. But it was really, and, and social media has been around for a while, but social media kind of, in what the Rays can put out, videos and graphics and stuff, all they, they do on Twitter and Instagram, et cetera, like you can really get to know these players way more than you ever could when you're just watching them on the TV broadcast and reading about them in, you know, in the Tampa Bay Times, or the Tampa Tribune or what have you. So I think maybe like what the, these more recent successful race teams have had that the 08, uh, 2010, 2011 teams didn't have is like we get to see these players on social media uh, in, in a way that we never did. And I think that's, uh, you know, you know, shines a different light on the organization. I would love to have seen like Andy Son. I know I keep going back to him, but Andy Sonnenstein at one point like rebranded himself as uh, the man of professional leisure sports and was just like playing pool and doing like ridiculous things. And I was like, if he could have had a Twitter, if like Twitter, like the access now, it would have been amazing. And you know, um, it was it, it, baseball is just a unique sport for these guys to showcase their personalities more. And like, I don't know, I. I Watching last year, there's it just there's a magic to it. I know people talk about it all the time, and like soccer is the beautiful game and whatnot, and the magic of cups, but whatever. but like there's a, a a magic drama to baseball that like I think the fact that there's no time limit and anything could happen in in any inning is just the the craziest thing. Like I've seen the Rays like explode in an inning and also implode where they give up like seven runs in an inning. You're just like, how did this happen? You were like our best reliever for a year. And it, it that, that's there's something there that is unpredictable that really isn't in other sports. Um, I know there's underdog stories everywhere, but I, I feel like in baseball, all it because all it takes is like 
three people to just break out of a slump at the weirdest time or three people to fall into a or like one person to fall into a slump at the weirdest time and the whole game or the whole series is changed and it's absolutely mind-blowing to me to watch that and uh i just i'll never i i don't know if i can have i mean that's a lie i want to get back into i don't know if i'll do raised road trips anymore until i have maybe a son <laughs> or a daughter that likes baseball but uh, that level is, is, is approaching again. It, well, and, and you say that, and they've been playing really exciting baseball, but still looming over like the Rays fan base and the Rays organization is this idea that they could either move full time or split time between the Tampa Bay area and Montreal. I have uh, some opinions. I kind of just keep them on the back burner though. Cause <laughs> thinking about it just puts me in this really dark space. Cause you know, I've been supporting this team my whole life, but like, what would that do to, to your fandom? If say the sister city plan happens and they're playing the second half of the year in Montreal. Uh, it, I think you would close to kill it again. I don't know if I can like part of it is the local sport. And granted, I right now I'm not going to games, but that's because of COVID. Um, I'm looking, my girlfriend and her family want to start and want to go to a game. I'm looking at going to more games this year. Um, but if you take them away for the second half of the year, which is like the, the exciting half of the year, like part, you have a 162 game season, like the first 81 games and then even half that the first 40 home games are almost meaningless. Um, yeah. So I don't know why like that that's even being entertained. Um, well, I do know why, but I don't know how you can uh, like try to maintain two lo local fan bases like that and expect them both to be engaged. Um, I just, it, it's a dumb move for a team that has a very large fan base in Tampa Bay. I know everybody says like uh, the Rays don't have fans because they look at the, you know, the TV broadcast, but good luck going somewhere where somebody's wearing uh, and trying to find a place where nobody's wearing like a Rays shirt or a Rays hat other than obviously like fancy restaurants or something, but <laughs> There's a there's a huge fan base here that they I mean the TV ratings are great I mean I listen through my Google Home because I can't stream the games unless I have my my girlfriend's laptop but uh, but I like listening on the radio as well so it's just it's interesting I, I I think people underestimate the strength of the Rays fan base and I think Stu Sternberg would be doing uh, the, that fan base and himself and this team a disservice by moving them to Montreal for even half a year. Yeah, I, I go back. I go back and forth with it because yeah, it would it would it would royally it would royally suck uh, if it happened. Um, I, but then again, like I think to myself, we don't have to go too deep into the weeds with this. It's like if the Rays are playing and they're on TV, you know, in the year two thousand twenty-eight, where they're playing the first half of the year in the Tampa Bay area, even when they go up to Montreal, it's like if they're on TV, like am I not going to tune in? Like you said, if they're on the radio, am I not going to, you know, turn the dial? And so that's where it feels like, you know, it gets, it gets me in that really dark space. It's like, well, do they, you know, am I really that connected with this team that even if, you know, this terrible disservice is done to the fan base that I'm still going to be there. It's uh, it's, it, it is, it, it's sad to think about right now. It, I'm glad when in the off season, it, it's, it's really sad to think about when there's games on, I can kind of forget about it again especially when the team is playing as well as they are they're off you know they're 11 and 11 to start the year not not the worst start not the best start but they they, they look good again and 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 i hope i just hope that we can keep focusing on the on-field play and then within a few years we don't have to worry about the stadium mess for another you know 30 plus years when when i'm old 
<laughs> I just, again, like, I, I don't know. And I hope that this is a bridge that we don't actually have to get to, like you said, for a long time. Um, but there's, because I, there's a charm to the trop, and I don't mean to go on this like defense of uh, Tropicana Field because I do. I'm a trop truther too. Don't, don't yeah, worry. <laughs> like, I, I understand that the location is rough. Like I get that. Like accessibility to the stadium and getting out of the stadium is a pain. Um, but when you're inside, I it is one of my favorite play, like ballparks, and there's just like I said, and they've done so many improvements over the years. Like, and now you can walk all the way around the stadium, and the food is great. Like. It's. I love going to the Trop. Um, I had. I, I enjoy that, and this is not just like Homerism. Um, I did not like Fenway Park. Uh, there was obstructed views. The seats are tiny, and I mean, granted, we went once and it was freezing cold, but that had nothing to do with it. Um, well, it does have something to do with it because the Trop well, is always seventy-two degrees. Yeah, exactly. Like, I didn't have to worry about that, and it. But the seats are tiny, like. I'm not very big and I was struggling to sit in them comfortably. So like, give me the trop any day of the week. Um, Cause we went to Texas on the flip side and it was 104 or 105 degrees as we're sitting in the outfield and in July. And it's just like this, none of this is fun. Like this isn't a ballpark <laughs> experience uh, that I, I ever want to repeat, especially when Pat Burrow was on our team and uh, I wanted to kill him. Um, but <laughs> like, the trop, I will always. I would prefer to go to tr the trop over most any ballparks these days. Uh, I I agree with you. Like I am the biggest trop defender. It's always seventy two degrees, and credit to you know Stu Sternberg and the people that run stadium operations. Year after year, they've put more and more money into the stadium uh, to make it a more enjoyable experience. There was a few years ago where the trop finished like dead last and health and safety protocol and stuff like that. And they fixed it by the next year. They put the money into it. They put the work into it. They, they overhauled everything. And, and I've only been to a couple of different big league ballparks, but you know, I, I'll never stop loving the trop. Hopefully we get, you know, a new stadium or, you know, maybe a better location. Uh, but if it doesn't have a roof, I don't know. I, I could watch, I could watch at home on my couch. Right. And I think that's part of the problem is I'm not going to spend I don't know. I don't know how much tickets are. I was looking at, at Ray's um, Blue Jays tickets in Dunedin, and they were like 60, 70 bucks for just like, because I mean, limited capacity, small stadiums. Yeah, I, I get yeah. it. But you, because I think we can get tickets way cheaper at the Trop um, normally. But um, it's just like, I'm not going to spend that money to drive. For me, it's like an hour, hour and 15, uh, if it's in Tampa, either side of the bay to sit outside in 95 degree weather with the possibility of a thunderstorm. And like, I will like the, the one knock I have against baseball is I went to a raised Red Sox game and it was like 17 or 18 innings. And I didn't get home to like four in the morning. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to do that in an open air stadium. Like if there's a rain delay and then, and then it's 17 innings, I'm not getting home till I have to go to work the next day. Like, Right. If I like that's I don't want an open air stadium in like a retractable roof, maybe. But that's the money in that is ridiculous. I don't know. But I, I don't want uh, just a pure open air stadium for the race in Tampa Bay. Having experienced thunderstorm delays at Al Lang and everyone's huddled in the concourse. It's just not fun. It's never fun. Put the roof over over the whatever state, wherever the stadium is at. Uh, 
It's just way more, especially, you know, in this Florida. I do, I do not. I'm the biggest baseball fan in the world. I don't want to sit out there for four hours. I'm no. also team team ties after the 12th inning. Tied after 12, <laughs> g- give each team a point, and we'll, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. Like, it's. <laughs> you, you don't like the starting a man on second to try to, you know, speed it up? We could do a whole podcast on that rule and how much I hate it. <laughs> it's just play a couple more innings, call it a night, you know, then maybe you set a time limit. Gets to 1 a.m., call it a night, whatever. Yeah, I mean, that would be fine. A time limit would be good. Or, you know, go full soccer and have a home run derby after like 10, 11, or like uh, like 10, 11 innings. Okay, never mind. You get you each get a hitter and they go from there. And the winner at the end of that, it wins the game. Just call it. Just call it. Don't get, make me sit through another possible whole game i i am a fan of that idea as well but uh dan real quick before you wrap up uh a a one or two sentence uh, uh not an advertisement you don't you don't work for the for the rowdies uh but if you're pitching someone that that's never been to a rowdies game or has never watched a game on on espn plus how, how would you pitch this this rowdies team this year and, and to try to get someone to to support Constant entertainment, uh, nonstop action. I know soccer gets a reputation for just uh, boring back and forth like that Simpson episode, but I promise you there'll be nonstop action. Um, And this team is talented from top to bottom. Uh, Good food and drink, beautiful stadium view. Uh, It's just a great family experience. And uh, for for the price, it can't go wrong. Yeah, definitely. I always try to tell my friends it's two hours long, guaranteed, and there's plenty of beer. You know, that, that's all you need to know. Well, Dan, thank you so much for for coming on today. Thanks for having me, man. This was fun. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Uh, big thanks to Dan for for coming on the show this week. Um, thank you for listening. As always, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to check out all of the great Rays coverage. Uh, and, and if if you like what we do, rating and reviewing our podcast network, if your platform allows it, is the best way to spread what we do to more and more Rays fans and following or subscribing to our podcast feed. We'll get new episodes of all of our shows downloaded directly to your device whenever they release. So once again, thank you guys for listening and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>